Welcome to Arcade Attack. A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another Arcade Attack podcast. We're racking them up now. <laughs> Today, we're going to go deep into people's dreams. Oh, you don't want to do that. <laughs> Before we go right deep into our nightmares, let me introduce myself. Uh, my name is Adrian, so I'll be uh, hosting this particular sort of dreamy podcast. And alongside me, I've got my lovely Dylan. Oh, wow, that's nice. I think that's the nicest thing anyone has ever said to me. <laughs> Ever? Pleasure. Yep, ever. Yeah, pleasure. People are mean to Dill. Yep. Yeah. It's <laughs> like kick me in the street and stuff. <laughs> they do. Horrible. Uh, lovely Rob as well. Yep. And of course, lovely Keith. Hello. They're not, they weren't that bothered about being called lovely. Oh, we get called lovely all the time. But, <laughs> but one of you around the table has been in my dreams quite recently. Ooh. <laughs> Who was it? Were they weird dreams? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you've seen the title of the podcast, and you could go anywhere in this direction today, so just hear me out. Hear me out. Before I start talking about the Amiga classic, Weird Dreams, I thought I'd kick off a bit of an anecdote about a certain dream I had not too long ago. You're looking at Keith. Is He's <laughs> making me nervous. I, I am. Now, I, I, this is a genuine dream. I'm not making this up. About Probably about four or five months ago. I think I'd rather you were. <laughs> go on. <laughs> I had a dream. And I was like, wow, this is, you know, I don't usually remember my dreams very well, truthfully, but this dream was very vivid. I remember. Never forget me, mate. That Keith was in it. Dylan and Rob weren't in this room, it was just Keith. Oof. And Keith had apparently <laughs> given up his day job oh. and had pursued he a, an acting career. Nice. Okay. And he basically, he landed quite a big role. He, I, I was dreaming this. He landed a role in the popular TV drama Hollyoaks. <laughs> okay, I can work with that. In case, what, how would you describe Hollyoaks? In case no one wasn't Keith in Hollyoaks. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't watch the thing. Um, Hollyoaks is like this really long-running British sh- like soap opera. Schlock kind opera. Of, yeah, it's not really kind of like an old-fashioned soap opera. Everyone's kind of, I don't know, like kind of rare, kind of young, and it's a bit like if Home and Away. They used to be good-looking. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's a bit like, I guess... used to be young and good-looking. It's a bit like Homo Away without the sunshine and Australian accents and about twice as many characters. Mm-hmm. Could you see Keith being in the show? Yeah, Keith looks a bit like um, that guy who was in... <laughs> is it Josh Lacey? The one who was like... He was in it for ages in the beginning, and now he's back in it. Okay. I know this because my housemate watches Hollyoaks. Oh, I, I watched it for the I watched the opening sequence for the first time in years the other day, and they like I kept on thinking, does this have about? Do they keep showing the same characters in the sequence, or do they have like about forty characters and half of them look the same? It's they have forty characters and half of them look would, the same. Would we have forty one characters? Would we allow Keith in there? This sounds a bit derogatory towards mm. Keith. I think well, Keith would be in a much more interesting so. Well, not I, I, still. I, 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 oxymoron. I feel like <laughs> interesting. <laughs> interesting so I feel like he would be in Neighbours or something. Hey, hey he's starting off his acting career. Thanks, it's his first big job. He can't. Be, you know, no offense, Keith, but Neighbours is, Neighbours is the next step on the. Well, back. on the one hand, Hollyoaks is set in Chester up north, and Keith doesn't have a northern accent. But on the no, other hand... No, no, no. I could be token uh, Cockney. In, oh, th- thanks for telling my jokes. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you trample on my things. On the other, <laughs> but on the other hand, Hollyoaks shows more Cockneys in Chester than Chester has in real life, probably. <laughs> probably. Back to the dream. Then um, Cockneys get about in Chester, though, don't they? Back to the dream. I dreamt, and this is, uh, this is totally true, that Keith was playing a bad boy biker. A bad boy. He's a bad guy. That's pretty true to real life. <laughs> he is. And he had a leather jacket. Like, oh, yeah. Did he still have his L plate on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, he's a real bad boy. Keith's he, James Hurley from Twin Peaks. <laughs> I think he was a kind of love him and leave him kind of rogue rebel who's just turned up and he's got this new. You got a recurring role on the show, dude. <laughs> nice. Recurring. So it's not like a one off. No, no, you're proper character. <laughs> Thanks, man. And you're, but you're always just scowling at people. And do you know the worst thing is. That I, wasn't I, a dream, that's just me. <laughs> yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Just, but, but the worst thing is, fame got to your head and you were no longer wanted to be our friends. Or did you oh, podcast? No, I was like, a diva. You were a diva, and I was like, I remember dreaming, Keith doesn't want to be my friend anymore. He's oh, famous. Who's going to edit the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> that was Dill's first It's concern. a really weird dream. <laughs> I remember waking up and coming down, like, to my wife, like, I just dreamt that Keith was in Hollyoaks. <laughs> and Keith was all famous. <laughs> You're now a celebrity now, dude. What do you reckon? Oh, I'm quite flattered. Yeah, but yeah. You, for, you forget about me and Dylan and Ron. No, never. That would never happen. You could be my entourage. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to move to Chester then. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, that was a bit of a weird dream, um, I have to say. We're yeah. not ending the podcast there. <laughs> <laughs> and it got me thinking, actually, hmm, weird dreams. <laughs> There's actually a game called Weird Dreams, believe it or not. And not many people have heard about this, I think, underappreciated game. It was made on, well, it was released in 1988 or 1989, depending on where it was released. So it was first released on the, on the Windows, on DOS, DOS game. And it eventually came out on the Atari ST, the C64, and the version that I played on the bit old Amiga. It was a golden time, really, for it's those kind of times. games. 1989 it came on the Amiga, and I think I played it probably very early 90s. I don't think I played it straight away. Uh, developed and published by Rainbird. Rainbird Software. Who, truthfully, I looked into it a little bit. I couldn't see other games they really did, really. They so, just did that one and just, yeah. <laughs> so, hey, correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, but they don't seem to have done a lot, really. The Sam Allardyce of game developers. <laughs> they, found, they, yeah. found, they found making games too weird. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe their dreams are too big, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> Doing my Hollywood scowling face. Yeah, yeah, if only you could see it, listeners. Um, it was created by two people, really. There's other people who'd done the sound and stuff, but the, the two main people behind this game was Herman Serrano and James Hutchby. And fair play to them, because it's quite an ambitious game. 
I remember getting my copy. So, like I said, guys, played it in the sort of early nineties. I got my copied copy off for the Amiga from my uncle Victor. Don't say that. <gasps> I know. I know. Well, actually, uh, there's, there's interestingly, if you copied this game, you'd, you'd probably find it very hard to play. But uh, I'll explain that in a minute. So I got the copy from my lovely Uncle Victor, and uh, he gave me, he said, with this game, with this disc, you're going to need this as well. And he put in my hand this massive wad of paper. I was like, what on earth is this? <laughs> Honestly, about 60-odd pages stapled together. I was like, what the? You to, it's like you're reading prep before you can actually play the game. Like You have <laughs> so to read this. Novella. Now, well, this 64-page uh, book clipping was, a, well, like you said, a novella. Oh. A novella, it's a, it's a story that well, you got in the game, and it basically introduced the game, and at the end of the novella is where the game picks up. Oh! Yeah. So, now, that, so that came with it, yeah. did it, the original? An original story. And um, this novella was written, written by Robert uh, Goodwins, quite a famous British writer and broadcaster. He's, he's done a few things. Uh, but it just tells you the backstory, and I'll tell you more about the backstory later. But when I was like... 10 or 11 when I was playing this game. Do you think I read that novella? No. No. I just kept it in the background when I played Weird Dreams. How do you think, quite ingenious, how do you think that novella lets you open the game up then? Seeing as you've had no other things sent to you with this copied, copied version of the game, it's got something to do with data protection, isn't it? It's data protection. Or it's got something to do with, well, yeah, the... I think you literally had to just type in, uh, find page 32... Uh, line six, word five. I remember Lotus did that as well. Yes, I think they did, but it wasn't a novel. Man- was no, it was the manual. It was the manual. <laughs> but I thought that was really quite clever, and I, I think actually, um, I never read it truthfully. I, I had a quick scan of it recently. The actual novella is quite a good little story, I think. But never since Die the Pirates on Good Old Monkey Island <laughs> had I been so impressed, <laughs> uh, because obviously copying was quite rife for the good old Amiga days. We don't really condone that, but there you go. Well, okay. you know, it was something that happened. We have to yeah. acknowledge it. So. And, you know, the, the local library probably got a lot of money through the photocopy <laughs> money. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all given back to the state and all that. Right, do you want to hear the um, the back of the USA box? So it was originally released in the UK. Oh, it was yeah. a British game. Mm. And it was transported mm. into America. And do you want to hear the sort of the blurb at the back? Well, I think it sums up the game quite nicely. Imagine yourself in a world full of nightmares <laughs> with, with Dali-esque creatures and mind-eating eyes. Picture yourself in an upside-down landscape, alone, in a weird dream, and wondering, what the... Important from England, this is the computer game that everyone is talking about, or soon will be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Does, does, like, 30 years on count as soon? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, or soon will be, in excited whispers and bewildered explanations. It's the game... It's the game with the soccer ball that devours knife-wielding little girls, then burps. What? <laughs> <laughs> they added that. Yeah, dot, 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 then burps, if you want it technically correct. Oh the God. one with totem poles heading hopping on kangaroo bodies under skies full of fish. Hmm. Wow. That's weird, dude. The one with a giant killer bee that wants your cotton candy, the grandfather clock that points the way, and the lawnmower that grinds you to a bloody pulp. Like the famous ink block test, the bizarre scenes, puzzle and arcade-style challenges in Weird Dreams will mean different things to different people. Sounds like virtual Bart. It, well, yeah. Some will think them unappropriately <clears throat> funny. Others will think them strange and unsettling. Still, others will be outright offended. Decide for yourself. One thing is certain, there has never been a computer game like Weird Dreams. You have to play it to believe it. Um. 
Are you guys intrigued now? All Damn that, intrigued. All that was on the back of the box. Apparently, on the American box, not the Amiga version. boxes were pretty That's big. True, they were big boxes. Yeah. <laughs> they were big, big things. They didn't need to be so big, did they? Really, Amiga boxes. No. They just was the. And somewhere. what really annoyed me is the different Amiga boxes of different sizes. They never lined up nicely. No, they, they never oh, lined oh, up. I hated that. Oh, it was the worst. The floppy disk always rattled around in the box. That can't have been good for the floppy disks. But think about it. With a sixty-four page novella, you need some big box, eh? That is actually. <laughs> I'll give that. Okay, I'll let them off. Yeah, because they had a book in it. You let weird dreams off. Yeah. Do you hear the plot then I've Damn I'm right. kind of summarising 64 pages unless you want me to read the whole 64 pages go on then no no, no, <laughs> no, no we haven't no, done that we've, we've really done that we've <laughs> <laughs> yeah, done that one t-shirt this is the quick plot and remember guys this this is the story you get before you play the game and I think that's quite ingenious it's not just, just it's not explaining the game this is the, mm. the precursor mm. you ready love it Steve that's the character <laughs> in, in the game Steve Steve Kilbaba <laughs> Steve is in all right, let me compose myself. Steve is in love with his attractive co-worker, Emily. Unbeknownst to Steve, Emily is possessed by a demon. Oh, damn Emily. Named Zellerippus, who, is banished, who was banished to Earth, stripped of most of her powers and trapped into a, a, a human female due to unspecified crimes done to other demons. There you go. <laughs> Emily sees a chance to let someone else suffer and stifle her boredom. Ooh. She tricks Steve to take three pills she has mixed to cure his flu. While the pills do cure him, they also grant Zellerifus access to his body and mind. His dreams become more lucid and strange, each one getting more intense and painful. Steve's psychiatrist does not understand what causes the dreams, and neither does Steve. He refers to him to a neurosurgeon. After his health dramatically declines, Steve undertakes brain surgery in an attempt to stop the dreams. Under an anaesthetic, he slips into one more dream, possibly his last. <sighs> Do you mean... Hashtag with dreams! <laughs> he undergoes brain surgery. Yeah. And so I how... imagine it'd be dangerous for him to undertake brain surgery in that state. Well, yeah, he shouldn't really try and, he shouldn't really try and do it on anyone else. No, yeah. but that's the start of the game, really. You don't, you don't see all this. I, remember, I read that it. bit, yeah, you, yeah. He's having and an he's, operation. He's having brain surgery for bad dreams. Well, he's been yeah. possessed by a demon. Come on, Rob. Yeah. So the only way to get rid of a demon, Rob, is to brain surgery yourself. He has yeah. bad... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's having bad dreams and he has brain surgery because... like Rob, to lo- not so bad he doesn't dreams. have dreams anymore. Is he going to look at me? <laughs> basically like <laughs> I'm not good now read all the 64 pages then you can just, then you can talk alright um, <laughs> mm-hmm. then you can talk oh you read the 64 pages oh no <laughs> zip it no I'll zip it <laughs> so the, the game starts where Robert Goodwin's novella ends and you actually literally see Steve lying on the operating table and that's how the, the, this really short intro really obviously the story's a vain intro. There's you, kind of... The, sorry, you are going to say yeah. The view from his... So you see the surgeons above It's quite room. gloomy. Greeny, mm. gloomy image. It's quite spooky. It's like, oh, this is pretty dark. And I remember being pre- a little bit freaked out as a kid seeing this. Like proper surgery, people looking down at you. And you literally see your eyes close. And then you see yourself falling in, in, into the game. Uh, and that's, that's how the game starts. Um, yeah, and I think there's some clever, really quite clever things about this game. There's some... There's about seven or eight levels in total. I'll go through them in a minute. You can pick up different weapons throughout the game, uh, throughout the game, um, and the health meter. I love this. The health meter is basically his uh, heartbeat, and if his heartbeat gets too high, or obviously gets like a bad injury, you're out of the game. Oh. And I, I assume you, you die on the yeah. operating table. Now he has to get through this dream and come out the other other side. 
uh, through this game to, to wake up and be free of his demons. Wait That's a basically it. So isn't that the same as the plot of... Which is a crank one or high voltage where he has to keep his... His heart, he has to keep yeah. his heart yeah. Brain, yeah, but not too fast. But not too fast. Yeah. Where would you actually? Think? No, it can go. It's just it, it can't slow down, can it? He can't slow. No, die. the first one he can't slow down because yeah. he'll die, and the second one he has to keep himself charged because he hasn't got a heart <laughs> because he's got. <laughs> so um, when he connects um, the car battery to his nipples, <laughs> that's that's it. It. Yeah. <laughs> crank. Crank. Ladies and gentlemen, Crank. worth the watch Crank. and the sequel. Crank High Voltage is the better film. I love them both. Okay, we'll talk about that for ages. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look out for our crank podcast coming soon. Yeah, yeah. Back to weird dreams. Yeah, we're we ready for this. Mm-hmm. Well, so the game starts. It's got some interesting, really interesting. <laughs> it levels. sounds amazing. Why haven't I played this game? Yeah, you know, is that sarcasm? Would that be no, I'm being it's honest. Great. It's like it sounds like right up my alley. It's an interesting game because even though it's quite a dark game in a sense, I think mean, it's quite the sort of dark undertones. It's very colourful. I think it's got quite. It's got like a twisted sense of humour. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, we've got a little, I've got a little few quotes from the actual maker, and it's quite interesting to hear what he says about the game. But you first start by landing, you're falling down in your dream, and you're landing this giant candy floss machine. And I'm, when I mean giant, it's basically the whole screen, and you control a little person called Steve, and you basically have to sort of dodge. You know the the big sort of metal twisting thing that picks up oh, yeah, the yeah. candy floss. You've got to dodge that, <laughs> and it's important. You, you, you dodge it at the start because you have to collect candy floss. If you don't collect candy floss, you, you're basically screwed. You collect candy floss by walking around, jumping around, and eventually you jump on the on the metal pole and you're taken out of the candy floss machine. Uh, I kid you not. And if you get hit, to, you have to sort of you have to jump properly and land your timers properly. We can get hit and killed. I think very early. As soon as you get out of this candy floss machine, you're, you're plunked. Well, it's a fairground basically. You're plunked. Uh, obviously. Uh, there's um, tents in the background, circus tents in the background. You're on sort of the greeny area. And as soon as you're plonked down, you see this giant... It says, it says a bee there. It's it looks a, like a wasp. It's a wasp. I think the yeah. Americans are wrong there. It's giant it's wasp, massive. bigger than you. Yep. Just comes towards you relatively quickly. So you, you, you have to backtrack a bit. What do you reckon you do with your candy floss? It's, it's attached to you at the moment. What would you do if you had a eat bee... Well, you could eat it for quick energy and run away. You could eat it as the wasp kills you. Yeah. Uh, it's supposed to be a bee. It's supposed to be a bee, don't forget. Stick it on oh, the like wasp. That's true. Wasps like everything. Stick it on the wasp. No, just put it on the floor. Put it on the floor. Then walk away, put some more on the floor, and the wasp will start a stop. And if you keep running further and further into a new screen, you can pick up a fly swat, can't you? I should have told you that. Oh, How big, big is the fly swatter? It's a it's normal size. I'd say it's it's probably not quite big enough to attack this wasp, but it's just about good enough. So you go basically the wasp will come after you, but luckily for you, you now you've got the fly swap and you you use it like a fen- like a like a fencing sword. What, what they, you foil. Know, a foil. And you can lunge and repost and stuff. <laughs> Repost. And uh, on guard. What's <laughs> interesting is if you keep hitting this wasp and you time and it's quite hard to time. I mean like, you can die in this game pretty quickly mm. unless you get your timers correct. Eventually, if you keep hitting this wasp, it will it will go away, it will die, and actually, it drops an orb. It drops an orb, and you, the whole point of this game is you got to collect three of these orbs. And I'll come to the end of it. Then I'll explain how how you use these orbs at the end. So you pick up the wasp from the orb, and that is taken into your infantry. Boom! Correct. That is the first sort of level done. Then you've got access to the Hall of Mirrors. 
Love a good Hall of Mirrors level. Now, this Hall of Mirrors, I think it's quite clever. There's there's kind of five mirrors in front of you, five mirrors, and some of them are out of order, clearly said out of order, but they open up in different times in the game. So basically, you often... This is your tr- your transportation area to different levels. Yeah, it's like a, it's yeah. like a hub, isn't it? It's the hub. And, it, to different and once you do one level, other mirrors are accessible, and some are broken, and once you do other levels, they're fixed and so forth. So it's your transport to other places. Um the first place you can get access to is the English Country Garden. And you must defeat rose bushes. And these rose bushes are typical rose bushes but with teeth. I'm talking huge teeth. And thorns. And thorns, but mainly teeth. Oh. And actually, there's a lot of teeth in this game. A lot of teeth. Mm. And uh, we'll come to the reason why there's a lot of teeth later. But obviously, you pick up a stick. You, I think the, the fly swat's long gone now. You pick up a stick and you again, you attack these, these roses. And again, you have to time it properly. And if, if you don't, it's very easy to get killed. Eventually, you get past that. You you see a football in front of you and a little girl smiling at you. Would you trust a smiley little girl with a, a giant football in front of her? Hell no. Hell Not if I read the back of the box. No, because if you read the back of the box, uh, you would know that she does wield a giant steak knife as well. But You don't see that at first. No, you do not. And actually, what you've got to do first, a nice little game of catch, you've got to throw the ball to the girl and she'll throw it back. You keep throwing it back and forth. It probably takes about 10 times. And again, you've got to crouch at the right time, throw it back. And eventually, she'll start coming a bit closer with you. A big giant knife. She has it behind her back, doesn't she? She does. Actually, it's quite clever. It's very good animation. Very good animation. She comes. Oh my God, this sounds so freaky. And this girl eventually starts running at you. She's obviously bored of the game catch. So what do you do with your football? You throw it out in face. And luckily, this football has got teeth. It suddenly sprouts teeth. Oh, thank God for that. And this, if you time it correctly, the big giant football, I'm talking it's basically the size of you, will come down and devour this girl. You have to bounce it right, and then it opens its mouth and lands on top of her. In her face. That's yeah. what she gets. We're trying to stand And the whole it. time, it's got the English country garden music in the back. That's the one. That is the one. <laughs> so it's not, it's very interesting. The setting, the background's lovely, nice green, yeah, it's all scenery. And the girl in, looks quite yeah. nice as well, and all of a sudden it gets very dark. But yeah, if you eventually do that, you this this uh, you, you can go a bit further on, uh, and you and end up in a, a desert. Don't forget the lawnmower that chases you. Oh, sorry, yes. If you wait too long, and if you don't do things, if you take your time too much, or you can't kill the roses quick enough, thank you, Kiv. Yeah, if you a giant lawnmower will come and it just rips you to grinds you to pieces. Yeah. That's the one that was mentioned in also the blurb. Yeah, I think the blurb tells you quite a lot. The blurb gives everything away. It does. It does. But again, that's pretty freaky because I have to say the game sounds. I'm scared. Yeah, it's scary <laughs> and it's a very good game. But actually, killing these roses and throwing footballs around is you have to time it so carefully and it's very easy to take things too slow. So there's a lot of time pressure as well. Mm. And um, I have to say. I'll come to the gameplay later, but that's one of the main things that lets it down. It's, it's not the most responsive, not the best controls, but the, the visuals are quite incredible, I have to say. Right, the desert. We are transported back to a desert now, and in the, in the air, I think it tells you kind of in the blurb, what is, what is flying in the air above you? I forgot what the blurb said. Fish. Fish. You see a big <clears throat> school of fish. Just not, not even flying fish, normal tuners possibly, flying in front, <laughs> flying, just flying uh, above you just like normal birds. And what you've got to do is jump up and ga- grab a fish. Because you you've lost your weapon now, you've lost your stick. You use the fish as a weapon. You use the fish as a weapon, and you use this fish as a weapon a few times. Um, and then in front of you, you had these, you know, Salvador Dali kind of uh, slubby statues you used to draw. You have these kind of uh, really crazy statues that come jumping out of you. And of course, you have to fight them off with fish. 
Obviously. It's quite a robust fish, actually. It's, it's quite yeah, 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 it deals out quite a bit of damage <laughs> for fish. I'm thinking a fish would probably just take like one hit and then you'd be, have to get another fish. Maybe right. it's a bigger fish than the one you're thinking of. So if it's a tuna, then it's Tuna's probably like, heavy, yeah. like a baseball bat. Well, that's right. And um, eventually, <laughs> you eventually come across this large sort of totem pole statue. And I don't even think it attacks you, but you just got to hit it with fish. <laughs> you eventually smash it down and a second orb comes. Another sort of roundish ball. ball. I would have been annoyed if that orb didn't come because he'd be attacking that totem pole for no reason. <laughs> well, you destroyed a lovely statue, to be fair. Yeah, it's really hard. Vandal. But really the orbs hard. are very important to get you out of the dream, so we'll let him off. We'll let Steve Because he gets an orb. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> you get this orb, and then in front, uh, in the same level, this massive, well, that's not massive really, but uh, quicksand, this, this circle quicksand appears. You obviously jump down in the quicksand, don't you? That's what, what you do in weird dreams. Yeah. Yes. And then you're taken back to the good old Hall of Mirrors again. Hall of Mirrors. And something is opened up and then you go to that one. Well, another mirror is opened up and this is quite a crazy level. You go into this level and the floor, you seem big, the yeah. film. And you seem the bit where he plays the big piano. Yeah. Yep. Oh man, the floor is literally piano keys. <gasps> that is literally the floor. And you've got to uh, jump over these piano keys when they're, when they're pressed. And if they press up and you, mm. you land, you get tripped over and you die. Mm. So you've got to time... You have to time your jumps very carefully. And actually, like I said earlier, guys, the controls aren't brilliant. And this is basically the part of the game where me and my brothers got up to, really. It was, it was very... We got... A, I think the furthest we got was just past this bit, but really, most of the times we'd die on these bits. You have to jump carefully. Um, Wasn't there another game where you had to... Platformer where you had to jump on piano keys? Maybe Zool. one of the James... Zool. I was thinking maybe one of the James uh, Pons. Might have been Robocod. Been... Might have been Robocod. I think well, it might right, be all yeah, because well, mind you, a lot of platforms all had a music level. Mm. A lot of platformers did, didn't they? Bubsy too. <sighs> every <sighs> time, every time. Why is it called Bubsy and Zool? I haven't mentioned Bubsy for a two. while. No, <laughs> no, but Bubsy, yeah, Bubsy music level. <laughs> anyway, carry on. Um, well, in the background, of course, there's a Jack in the Box clown who's actually playing the piano. I'm, I'm kind of guessing when he presses the keys, the floor goes up and down. Mm. It's not particularly easy to see. Mm. And of course, there is a sugar plum fairy, a giant sugar plum fairy, kind of sort of from the Nutcracker esque sort of dreams. Nice. And that she's whizzing around as well. You've got to dodge her as oh, well. It's crazy. It's tough, man. And eventually, at the mm. end of this level, you come across this eel, a giant electric eel. And again. I think it's, you have to. T- this is where we got. This is where me and my brothers got up to, really. But you, I've seen the long play now. You have to grab this eel as you do. Just grab it, and you, again, this eel can be used as a weapon. <laughs> and then, but it's when, electrified. It's electrified. So you, you, you use it almost like a sword later on. And then you, 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 this level ends by rotating kind of lift, and you go into this lift, and you're transported back into the Hall of Mirrors. But who is with you in the Hall of Mirrors now? Do you think? And it's a previous foe, the crazy so, girl, not the crazy girl. No. The wasp. the wasp is back. Duh, that wasp! But instead of having a fly swat this time, what do you have now to attack the wasp? A gun. Well, an electric, electric eel. eel. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, no, I knew you had the eel, but I thought, why are you going to... Oh. Uh, and of course, you know, you've got your stinger against the other stinger. And I'll tell you what, he must have to hit this wasp probably about 30 times. I, again, that's a tenacious wasp. Keep hitting it, keep hitting it, and eventually, eventually, the wasp gets killed, and and another sort of mirror comes up, and you're taken to the hall of doors. Do do do. It's a bit like a spooky house with lots of doors, and um, it's quite interesting. You've you've got to basically go through certain doors, uh, and. You have to... It actually goes pitch black sometimes. And there's bats flying across you. So you can just about make up the bat's eyes. You have to duck at the right time. Again, it's all about timing. 
this whole it's a cinematic platformer it's all about timing very perfectly if you don't time it well you, you're dead and I should have said it guys if you die straight from the start of the game you know? oh, no. yeah. it's not easy that is why me and my brothers find it so hard because if you die straight from the beginning it's tough really tough game and actually above you are um, light, lights basically are, are obviously uh, dangling down and you have to again jump on these lights and dodge certain monsters that come on, on, uh, like chicken monsters oh, it's crazy like a chicken giant monster. roast chicken it's a giant roast giant chicken giant roast chicken and like the breast bit is obviously is facing you and it has massive again massive teeth lots of teeth ah. <laughs> and, the, and the only way you can get past it is to swing across the lamps yeah and it, it's that. quite difficult to swing across the lamps and ju- judge it the times it, yep. yeah it did certainly look that bad eventually if you get to the final sort of room the f- final room in the hall of doors there's a grandfather clock isn't there and inside that grandfather clock is the demon third and final orb uh, but it should have been a demon and then an orb yep the third and final orb okay you've taken this and above in your infantry you see it three orbs looking very very nice and you can finally take on the last level uh, which is another desert level it's a very bizarre it's the final boss basically you've mm. made it to the final boss so it's not a very long game and uh, I think me and Keith probably watched the same long play you can probably finish this game in about 15 it was, minutes yeah it was about 15 minutes long if, if you can if, if but you, this guy had nailed all the timings and done it in one go I, I looked thinking I never did that I can do that it took me a lot longer I saw a lot more of the lawnmowers by just <laughs> hanging about too much but the final level it's hard to explain really but it's giant brain it's huge giant brain with three giant eyes Floating this around is the it. brain surgery bit, isn't it? This it, is hey, the, this is the self-inflicting brain brain surgery. It must be. I mean, you've, yeah, you go. You've you've pretty read the novella, Dylan. It sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and this giant brain—it's got a huge eye in the middle. These three things hanging above. Then the orbs come down, and the three sort of eyes that swing around this giant brain kind of get replaced by the orb, and they sort of disappear. And then you literally attack. Uh, I think it's with the fish again. You get the fish again, and you attack this. The tuna or the eel. The tuna. The tuna. The tuna. The eel's long gone. I think it's swam away now. Right. And the, the final it boss... Away. It flew away. It flew away. <laughs> yeah, it flew away. Or, yeah, or, yeah, exactly. And you, you, you kill this final boss. It doesn't look too particularly difficult, actually, compared to the rest of the game. And, yeah, if you do that, you wake up from your dream and you, you're back to real, the real world. Yeah, like Demon-possessed. What now, about your demon girlfriend, though? Well, I She's pissed <laughs> off. Hopefully she's, you've dumped her now, would you say? Are they actually boyfriend and girlfriend? I thought she was just some woman who he had a crush on. Read the novella. <laughs> no, they were they were in a they were in a relationship. And they where were. does the demon go? Well, <laughs> demon screwed me. I assume the demon's tra- gone back to his or she's old world now. Just mm. tra- you know, but there you go. And actually, this is interesting. Um, by releasing the free orbs, you end the game. You wake up on the operating table, and I think. Um, I think it's uh, only on the Amiga and M- MS-DOS versions. They've had this little animation at the end. I don't know if you see this bit, Keith. Right at the end, you, you see the surgeons going, oh, you know, they're probably giving themselves a slap on the back saying, good job, guys. But one of the surgeon's face transports into Emily's face. No. With a oh, knife. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there were rumours that uh, there would be a sequel. And I think that probably sets it up quite well for a sequel. Mm-hmm. But Weird Dreams 2 never materialised, unfortunately. It's Aww. a very, very interesting game. I think it was ambitious, very different in the time. Uh, the it graphics. Sounds like, it sounds like what something that like Cinemaware would do. Yeah, it, it, you know what? It looks actually reminds me of that sort of thing, Cinemaware. Actually, and it's a yeah, cinematic platformer. That's how they sort of title this mm. game, and I, I can't deny that at all. It's it's got its faults. 
it's not as it's it's very difficult. I found it very hard as a kid. You know, it's it's very unforgiving the controls. Mm. If you're like a, a millimeter off hitting the rosebuds, it just doesn't connect with it. You have to sort of nudge uh, really carefully. That's really annoying. It is annoying. Collision detector, especially when you know that it, you're going to go right back to the start. Oh, again. it's frustrating. But there was something about the game that kept drawing me back. Mm. I said, I hate this game, but I'm going to keep playing it. And it's just the visuals that got me. I think, and um, I thought it's really well animated game as well. Really quite like like we, like we said earlier, guys. Very sort of. Salvador the Dali esque mm-hmm. kind of dream world. Very, very fascinating. Nice. Do you want to hear a little bit of trivia and a lovely sort of few quotes from the man himself? Love a bit of trivia. I love this. this. Weird Dreams was in development for about a year or just over a year, which is quite a long time for, I'll say, a media game. Uh, but he drew Herman Serrano, the main person behind this game. He drew a lot of inspiration through, as we said earlier, guys, lots of Salvador Dali paintings. Terry Gilliam's cartoon animations from Monty Python. Do you remember the sort of mm-hmm. oh, yeah. segments? Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, lots of odd obs- observations. I've got this lovely quote here. Uh, I think he did this, this interview in June 89. Wow. Uh, it, it, for the Bird Sanctuary, which I never heard of, <laughs> and, the one, uh, and the one for 16-bit games review. So there you go. Uh, this is what he said about his game. I wanted to do a game about nightmares. None of these featured in the game are based on my own dreams. They're more odd observations, I suppose. There are several nightmarish elements. There are a lot of teeth. It's because I had to go to the dentist. I hadn't been for about three years. The dentist turned out to be this strange Chinese-looking guy with an Australian mm. accent, and he mm. tore my mouth apart. <laughs> after, after that, I had a phobia about teeth, and they seemed to creep in everywhere. So he added... Honestly, guys, in every single element or enemy in this game... There's a lot of nationalism. I'm assuming he doesn't like Chinese Australians. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, there you go. I'm curious to what observations he could have came up with. Like, I was walking along the road the other day and I saw some, some little girl with a big, the big steak knife <laughs> eaten by a football. Yeah. That's you some tuna fish in the sky. Yeah. Teeth is quite a common theme yeah, for, night, for nightmares, isn't it? And dreams generally. So It's like, your, yeah, that one where your teeth all fall out. Your te- yeah, that's a common one. I, I can vaguely remember this just as a kid I'm, I wonder if you can remember this guys a modified pre-release version of Weird Dreams actually was, was exposed and used on Motormouth the TV oh, show the kids yeah. TV show they had used the game engine before it was released they got a lot of the levels toned it down a little bit a lot, lot less violent but they used the graphics and Steve and so forth as a weekly competition on the on, on the TV uh, show Motormouth this was 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 this one of the ones you had to control with your phone? Uh, I think you it was. And you had to press. I think it was more of a question and answer question. Oh, so okay. you, you probably had to press on, on the dial tone, what number. Yeah. Or you might have to say. To, I can't totally remember it, but I do, it brings back a so few what, memories. How, what, what did they do? What level was it? Or, I think it was like the carnival level with, oh, the, right. with the circus in the background. I think they might have done the desert level as well. If you, if you, they took segments of levels, put yeah. them together, but they changed it from a platform game into a kind of Q and A kind of answer the right question game. Ah. Very interesting, but actually. Herman Serrano wasn't sure that this TV exposure done the game any good, believe it or not. So I've got a lovely quote. Did they even know? Well, if they chopped, dreams, yeah, though. if they chopped it up, then it probably didn't give the yeah accurate I, impression of what. No, the game exactly. Really it's a very different game. I think yeah. people got might have bought the game thinking it's it's the game yeah. on TV, but it, it, yeah, it, it, well, there you go. And this is what he said about it. He said it wasn't brilliant. He, he said um, not only did people think it was a question and answer game, but it gave too much away. And made it look too easy. So um, it put people off a little bit. And it wasn't the right essence of the game as well. Well, they shouldn't have sold it to Motormouth then. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> if they were that bothered. <laughs> well, Rainbirds probably need the money, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. 
Bad, bad business strategy. <clears throat> Always insist on creative control. Exactly, yeah. damn it. Yeah. But there you go, that's a little bit of good trivia. Do you want to hear some reviews about the game? Because I, what do you think, listening to the game now, how would you think it was reviewed at the I time? love critical reception. And mixed. to hear about that. Mixed. Well, mixed. I would say mixed. I've yeah. never seen a game with more mixed reviews. I, I imagine you're going to tell us that people praised the graphics and the atmosphere, but the controls were... Wow. <laughs> well, while most critics praise its visual style, there were <laughs> some criticisms depending on the game platform. So different different games are slightly, you know, different versions are slightly better in that sense, but very, very difficult, very long loading times. And actually, that's oh, something okay. I need to talk about. It took ages to get to that surgery scene at the start to actually get in the game. And sometimes we got, went from level to level. It took ages to clock in. It got faded in, fading out. That wasn't a that wasn't an uncommon thing with Amiga games. I fought, yeah. I fought against many an Amiga game with slow loading time. You know, it's it's part part of the course. Part and parcel, it? mate. Yeah, part and parcel. But it was particularly long loading times. The soundtrack, even though there's some nice elements, it wasn't amazing. It was quite the Amiga could have done a lot more. Truthfully, mm. did you have a hard drive for your A500? Um, were you running it from the floppies? Well, floppy, yeah. Oh, no wonder. A600, remember? Uh, A600, yeah. sorry, yeah, sorry. Do you want to hear some scores? CVG, we respect CVG. Uh, 31% they gave this game. Wow. Whoa, that's very hard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas the one would get, gave this game 90%. Well, that's polarised. That's madness, isn't it? That's um, polarific. Most most grades, I'm talking the Amiga format, Amiga action, they were going to around the 60s, 70s and 80s, kind of that sort of area. So even though it was mixed, it kind of sort of sit in the middle, but there were some very polarising views about this game. Um, I think looking back, it's nostalgia for me. It's an interesting game. It was certainly original for the time, but I can't deny there were some criticisms. Mm. I, I think a sequel would have been brilliant. They could have made it more more playable, Maybe made it a tad easier, possibly much better sort of controls, better detect, you know, detection with uh, hitting enemies. So I think it, it's a game that could have had a sequel and probably deserve one. And I think slightly ahead of its time. That's my personal. I view. think it should have been reimagined yeah. with better controls, mm-hmm. more levels. It's a good story, I think. Mm. It is you a know, good story. Yeah. It sounds it's, a bit silly. It's initially, yeah, but silly. I think it's the Something kind of thing that though, really it? it's different and it kind of captures the imagination. Yeah. And it was you a have game. to get on board with a reimagining of that. Yeah. You talk about remastering of games now, mm. you know. And actually, because not a lot of people played this game, it's a whole. People are, oh, you know, what is this? It'd be a whole new imagining, a whole new opportunity yeah. to play. And then people listening to this podcast are going to think, "Wow, I'm going to have a look at that." And they you can't know. really now unless they've got an old Amiga knocking about. We'll just have to watch a long play. Well, exactly. I chopped out a few questions to our lovely Twitter followers, didn't I? Oh, you did. About this yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I, I was a bit like. I don't think we'll get much back here. I People have played it. Mm. This isn't it. I've got some interest. Do you want to hear some of their comments? Yeah, please. So fair play, to if, and thank you if you chipped in here, guys. Mm-hmm. I've got at Summer Lava Jew, or Jew, duh. Uh, and uh, this person said, the art is amazing. The backstory of the game is interesting, but the game doesn't look like it's all that fun to play. So I, I assume this person's heard about it before and seen the pictures. Well, that is the impression, because obviously I haven't played it, but yeah. I watched the long play. That's the impression I got. Frustrating. This looks cool, play. but it doesn't actually mm. look that fun to play it. No. Yeah, no, no I think that's Just fair enough. Shame. It it's sounds shame. frustrating. Mm. That's basically where it's at. R I P underscore Dean. It's visually stunning. Reminds me of a Tim Burton film. Mm. Very odd game that I could never wrap my head around. So again... That kind of mixed element. Mixed, yeah. Mixed a few. Um, item Shop DX 
said, I remember a customer returned it for a refund as it gave her son nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> gave her son nightmares. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I bought d- it for my friend. <laughs> <laughs> the nightmares are his <laughs> when they're staying. Yeah. <laughs> old Greg, we like a bit of old Greg, he just literally said the word weird. Yeah. yeah. That sums it up, doesn't it? Love a bit of old Greg, yeah. But yeah, I, I have money to there. say, big, a big shout out to good old Matthew Smith, who's at Amiga underscore square, because I... Twitter, you, you only what, 160 characters. Mm-hmm. He did about. He sent a few messages. He, me about he, he, really, yeah. he really was going into. Do you, it. Do you want to hear this? Actually, let's I'll, hear it all. Let's hear yeah. it all. Because I think we deserve it. He, he said. Yeah. It starts with ooh. ooh. <laughs> I could witter on for ages about this one. I never owned a copy of it back in the day, and yet it's the reason I became an Amiga owner. Ooh, how cool is that? In brief, I saw it being used for a phoning game. On the Saturday TV show Motormouth. Ah, he saw that. And they they said Motormouth didn't help sell any copies. (laughs) And it fell in love with its wonderfully weird aesthetic. This would have been late 1989, and it just so happened that the game featured on the cover of Amiga Action magazine in December that year. I didn't own a computer at all back then, I had an Atari 2600, but I bought the mag purely to find out more about weird dreams. Interesting. The review was largely just the blot of the game and recounted over two pages, but I was fascinated by the bizarre backstory. I was equally fascinated by all the other games covered in the mag, which included Switchblade, Zombie and Shadow of the Beast. Some very, very good games mentioned there. And Shadow of the Beast is a game that I might talk about one day, actually. Much time... Yeah, classic. It's a classic. Much time was spent that Christmas poring over the articles and admiring the screenshots. It was my introduction to a whole new world. Then, when Motormouth switched to a new game the following year, Magic Pockets, I knew I wanted to get my hands on an Amiga for myself. Now, actually, Magic Pockets, he mentions there, is another game I think is slightly underappreciated, which I think uh, I might talk about in the future. But I agree everywhere he says there. What a, what a great insight and a lovely little story there. Yeah, nice, no, nice to get. How many tweets was that over? Exactly, I was wondering. That was, that was about <laughs> eight or nine. And yeah. Honestly, he, he, <laughs> yeah, like, it, it sounds like he never actually owned the game. But it affected him. And mm. I think that's a little bit like Weird Dreams. It, it impacted people. It's different. Mm. Now, there was, no, there was like I said, guys, a rumoured sequel. It never happened, which I think is a, a shame, personally. Uh, but I've got two questions to, before we wrap up the pod. Are you ready for this? Go for it. Are, are there any other games that you, you know that are set within a dream or even a nightmare that you could argue is as original as Weird Dreams? And what, what do you reckon about that? Bart's Nightmare. What do you think about it? Do you think that stands up against this? Is it similar in an escort? Well, you've got different levels based around different kind of dreams or nightmares, I yeah. suppose. It doesn't control very well, so it's there got was, that in common with it. Yeah, going back to the Simpsons pod, there's also a level in that based in a, their collective dreamscape. Yeah. Pretty sure there are others as well, but I can't I know, think... I was, I was racking my brain thinking there must be loads, but I just... Um, no, I can't think of any... Escape, yeah. There needs to be more, because I think it's quite an interesting yeah, subject yeah, yeah. to do games on. There was a game called Sleepwalker on the Amiga, but that wasn't really based in the dream. You had to control that dog. Yeah. That, that, that's yeah, kind no. of, that doesn't really count. No, you're just sleepwalking. <laughs> you're just sleepwalking. <laughs> um, I hope there will be a, a game based on Adrian's Hollyoaks dream about Keith. <laughs> we can only dream. <laughs> what would you call it? Keith the bad boy biker uh, <laughs> takes over Hollyoaks. <laughs> You had to control a point and click adventure where you had to control yeah, Keith in the audience. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> I think I, uh, I'm looking forward to 64-page novella more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Please, if any of our listeners are going to write that, we'd love to hear some of that. Even if it doesn't have to be 64 pages. Yeah. <laughs> Final question, and again, this might be like nothing, but I'll chuck it out there. Have, have any of you guys, I'll chuck it out to the listeners as well, it'll be interesting to hear, ever had a weird video game-related dream? Because the Hollyoaks one is not really video game related, truth. That is really strange because me, obviously, loving video games, I don't think I've ever had a video game dream. Well, um, yeah. No, if I'm really like playing a game a lot, I'll tend to dream about it, but not in the sense that I'm in that sort of setting, yeah, yeah, more that it's in my brain and I quite, yeah. you know my brain's still thinking about it. And, oh, okay, but yeah, not. No, not that I can ever think of, ever. Just Hollyoaks to me. Just <laughs> That's what I dream about. So, yeah, I thought I'd chuck it out there just in case. But guys, if, if you if you listeners here, if you've heard it happen to yourself, tweet us. Let us know about oh, it. About weird video game dreams. Yeah, so, um, look, it's not easy game to get hold of now. Uh, it's actually quite rare on the Amiga as well. Yeah. It's, it's one of the sort of more rare sort of titles, the Amiga. I, I assume it's because of the novella as well. If you, if you can get a box version of the novella, I think it's going for a sort of big price these days. Um... Guys, thanks for listening and uh, don't have any weird dreams. Thanks for listening to today's podcast we really hope you enjoyed it if you want to get in touch regarding this week's episode or anything else you can tweet us at arcade attack uk at keith barlow 82 and at arcade underscore adriano we're also on facebook at facebook.com slash arcade attack uk please check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots of retro gaming goodness interviews reviews features top 10 etc and you can also find all our previous podcasts there Our podcasts are available to stream from the website and from SoundCloud and are available to download for free from Stitcher, Podbean and iTunes where you can also leave us a review and a rating which we would really, really appreciate. So until next time, take care and we'll speak to you soon.